That is not dead, which can eternal lie, and with strange eons, even death may die. Welcome to the Great Old Ones Gaming Podcast. I'm your host, Nate, lost in time and space. I am Man from Lang, host of the Whisper and Darkness YouTube channel. I'm Innkeeper Vase Odin from the Twisted Tentacle Inn. And this is Nathan Early, and I just basically hang out in the lobby and, and haunt him. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, how are you guys doing? Uh, may the may the fourth be with you, or I guess may the fifth be with you. Yeah, you we gave out. Uh, I want to say like five hundred Star Wars sumsums at my business, so the force was felt strongly in Portland, Oregon. Yeah, it's free comic book day today as well. Yeah, we went to our local store and uh, picked up some fifty bucks worth of comics and a couple of free comics on top of that. So that's nice. awesome. And then I visited a game store that I hadn't uh, visited before, and it uh, looked like a bomb had gone off inside. Man, oh man, it was uh, it was one of the most disorganized game stores I have ever seen in my life. Speaking of which, you do have to come visit. Yeah, you know, I'll make you a deal. If you come visit my store, I'll make Vase come visit my store. <laughs> I visit anyway. Doesn't Vase live in your store? In the basement. It's not. It's not really the point. Yeah, it's. It's separated by a gated lock. <laughs> Vase gated. is like the the icy ghoul. <laughs> yeah, they, they just hang a piece of meat whenever it's feeding time. <laughs> mm, pretty sure that's the other ghoul there, Vase. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's the one in the attic. But that, yeah, makes, that makes Nathan lead a Chandler, so I don't know if that's... You know, I'm cool with it. Fair All right. enough, fair enough. Nate, start us off. What What is the uh, itinerary telling us to do first? All right, well, uh, entering into our mythos phase here, um, FFG uh, recently updated the FAQ, finally. It's only been, what, like five months? Something like that beforehand? Some, it's some been of a while. Me. Yeah. Um, yeah, they... Let's. I guess we'll just jump right into the elephant in the room here, and they they added the list of taboos. So there's three different categories now um, that are optional deck building restrictions that are um, available to investigators now. Uh, there's the limited category, which basically just adds extra experience to overpowered cards. There's the mutated list, which changes or adds things to the text and there's the forbidden list which is the equivalent of the ban list i guess and currently uh, empty and currently empty yes. which is a scary uh, thought because <laughs> whatever card goes there i can't even imagine yeah and i'm sure everybody's had different thoughts all the players all the podcasters even some of the designer play testers but um it's hit me several different ways and I'll, I'll go on that later when we flesh it out a bit more. But what's what's everybody's opinion, very simply, do you think that it was a smart move on FFG's part? Or do you think it was a, a not-needed move? I think it was a smart move. Um, a lot of players were asking for something like this for a long time. And even though it's a self-imposed limitation, I think a lot of people are going to 
play at least initially try this out and see how it works out for them and um you know tuning my ear to the ground a little bit of uh, some initial feedback is very positive about these lists at least most of the cards in it so so i'm going to stop you right there you say a lot of players wanted this limitation a self-imposed limitation is that what you're saying yeah self-imposed because some of the players didn't really or, or couldn't come up with ways to limit these cards. They would over limit them or or the cards are still overly powerful or they would just outright ban them. Um, but I think it took like the creative minds of the developers of the game to really come up with something that I think everyone would be pleased with. And I think having three different tiers of limitations mm-hmm. definitely was a, a yeah, great smart. idea. Yeah, I think most people weren't even thinking of doing something like that. Most people were just thinking of outright banning, you know, certain cards, sure. like Marlon Christopher and such. Uh, Man from Lang, what's your what's your thoughts on it? I think it's interesting that they did it this way, considering, you know, their other uh, cooperative LCG, the Lord of the Rings LCG, they actually did uh, issue errata and um, change, you know, they, they would... Uh, put limitations on cards and and basically enforced it where this is a this is a much more optional this is an optional thing like if you're if you're a competent deck builder and and player and you're you've beaten every scenario and you're looking for a little more of a challenge this gives you something that you can you can tap into yeah, I'm gonna um, look up you, competent and, deck builder when we're done with this. And if you're and if you're not, if you just started the game and you're just sort of waiting in, and you know you don't, this is you know you don't even have to pay attention to it. You don't have to worry about it. The cards will the cards you have will still play as red, and so you're not having to remember errata or anything like that. I think like the cards that are on the lists, like the limited and mutated lists, I think you know most of us have recognized them as being a problem in the past, and you know probably too strong the way they were they were printed. But I don't, you know, personally, I haven't decided whether I'm going to use it or not. I sure, and I want to, as I said, I want to flesh that out soon, uh, but just. On the last row of uh, initial thoughts, Nate, what's your take? I think initially I like the idea of it. Um, like Man said, um, you know, if you've played the scenarios a bunch and you're kind of a seasoned veteran of the game and you're looking for more of a challenge, that this can be a good way of sort of restricting yourself creatively to play the game in a different way. I agree with most of the choices on this list and. While I like the intention of it, I think it's sort of hard to execute, especially in multiplayer, when you're kind of forced to either constantly have this PDF open to remember all of the subtle changes in the cards, or, um, you know, you're playing with newer players, and then you have to explain that, you know, these cards don't actually quite work the way that you think they work, or this card actually costs this, or, you know, there's a little... um, initial confusion or i guess a bit of a learning curve it's going to take more communication in multiplayer especially if you have uh newer mixes of players or or what have you yeah Yeah, absolutely people with a regular play group i think will adapt these the mutated list specifically and maybe we should kind of discuss what each list does each card in the list and whatnot but um i think the mutated list for regular play groups 
is going to be easier to adapt than for like a one-off where you go to a game store and just meet random strangers and play with them. What do you think you're doing? I'm playing a machete. Yeah, I don't think so. Okay, you can't even afford that right now. Um, Well, very simply, I I listened to some podcasts about it. I read the list. I let it process. My initial thought was, okay, cool. I mean, I personally don't see a a huge need for it, but I also don't min-max when I play. I simply play for the enjoyment of playing the scenario. But I can totally understand for the opposite end of the spectrum if you've got someone who's purely focused on doing scenarios as efficiently as possible, maximizing combos, looking for that. I can see why they would definitely like the list more. But then, you know, the more I thought about it, the more I appreciated how it caused you to kind of think more critically about cards you take for granted and also look for alternatives. Like um, like on the Mythos Busters, they talked about the um, composures gaining traction, whereas they really didn't with other things in play, and that made sense. But then I had this random thought. I know, you're shocked. I'll give that a, a second to sink in. I had the random thought that it would be kind of fun to, instead of necessarily changing the experience or eroding the card, to force you to play other cards if you take a certain card. And I don't know what that would be equivalent to, but it'd be like, if you take a machete, you have to take a knuckle duster and something else. You know, obviously that would be a lot harder to do, but it'd really be interesting because you're like, well, I know I have this card I want in my deck, but I have this card now, so I'm just going to play with it and see what happens. Very much like an actual investigator running for their life, surrounded by eldritch things, bleeding out in a hallway. You're going to grab or do whatever is necessary. But that, anyway, well, that sort of reminds me of what they've. I mean, the, what you're proposing sort of reminds me of what they've done in some of their other uh, LCGs like Game of Thrones, where their their restricted and banned lists are they are. A restricted card is one that you can play, but you can't play two restricted cards in the same deck. So say what that means is you would need to have multiple guardian, rogue, seeker, you know, in a class and say, okay, if you want to play machete, then you can't play this other card that's really good. Um, Stick to the plan. I'm just picking a card that came to mind sort of thing. So you can play with one of the good cards, but you can't play with all of the good cards. I think they did this with the Call of Cthulhu LCG as well, as well, where they they sort of lumped a bunch of cards on the restricted list, and then you got to pick one, and then all the other ones were not available to you. So in this case, you could say, okay, you're playing higher education, great, um, but you can't play Archaic Glyphs or, or maybe one of the cards that you can abuse with higher education. Yeah, and on the other side of the token, um, what you mentioned as well, like, oh, if you take a machete, you have to take a knuckle duster or something. In a game like this, where each investigator individually has such different restrictions and deck building requirements, it'd be pretty hard to, like, you might have an investigator that can take machete and not take knuckle duster, so it wouldn't work with that. They'd have to specifically identify individual investigators and then kind of tack on those those requirements individually, I think it'd be a little bit difficult to pull off. Well, that would be very difficult to do. I was just giving an example of something I thought would be interesting to try out. That is a neat idea. Um, 
But yeah, let's, um, I guess, moving into the specific changes themselves, I guess we'll start with the limited list here. Um, so this is the category of cards that have their experience cost basically just increased. Um, the first card is Machete, which now costs two experience to include in, into your deck. Um, this seems harsh. I don't know. It seems a little too harsh. I feel like you ideally want this to cost like one and a half experience. Um, I tend to earn on an average three to four experience in runs of Dunwich and runs of um, Path to Carcosa. So you're, you're kind of essentially spending one and a half scenarios worth of experience mm -hmm. to put a good level zero card back into your deck mm -hmm. but i i think ultimately most people probably just swap this out later on when they have experience too well i think i think if you went by those rules i, I do think people would if they're up for trying the taboo list or the restricted list i think they'd be interested in trying it out and seeing how it feels without it and then of course you add it i would like to also add that i think maybe they should go with a two experience point machete. But if you say it the way Vase does. I'm waiting, Vase. Machete. Machete. Thank you. We got to cut that out. We got we to. It's like the pause you that. have if you don't have a good internet connection when you hit pronounce on the Webster's <laughs> Dictionary or whatever. Uh, a machete, you know. So if you say it that way, it should only cost an experience. You know, I'm just saying. You know, I agree with you. That's a really good point, Nathan. It's if if they have a two experience cost increase to the regular machete, then what are the chances that they are actually going to put out what a lot of the a lot of the players and fans are looking for is an upgraded machete? Um, and I think the chances of that happening have slowed oh. down significantly. Yeah, or yeah, it just be really I expensive. I mean, I think it really depends on on what access to the card pool you have <laughs> like if you're just in a core set only you know tacking two experience points onto machete is going to be tough if you're playing guardian but if you've got access like to the card pool as as i think most of us do enchanted blade does basically the same job and in some situations it's actually better than the machete so i don't you know i i don't see it as being a a great great loss like you could still play and probably still do really well well it also start to make people go well i'm two points in i could grab that machete or i could just bank a little bit more and get a shotgun or or upgrade. yeah I, I think my tendency would be to i would probably if i didn't start with the machete i probably wouldn't buy it i agree what i meant was um the potential for there to be a released upgraded version of the card like an actual legitimate right. upgraded version it's slimmed down because if they're putting out this list now the the people that are playing the level zero machete with with two experience points added onto it mm -hmm. if they release an upgraded machete it would either have to be a four or five experience point card which would be insane to go from zero to four xp hey Vase, minimal I, benefit. I, I caught what you were saying and i 100 yeah. percent agree that it does slim down the case. But I would also point out that we're looking at going into the the fourth cycle halfway through. I think if they were going to upgrade Machete, it would have been quite a while ago. So being as if that ship had sailed, 
kind of like where all our expansions are being reprinted on the ships from, you know, across the ocean. Um, I think they would have done it a while ago. But, but that does raise an interesting issue. What about Elusive? Do you guys think that that was a drastic increase for that card? I think that is probably the most reasonable. Uh, that card is so good. Yeah, um, Elusive is, is Elusive so wins you more scenarios than like it can just break break scenarios. It's, yeah, quite it's, easily. It's easily at least two actions when you play it for free. It's oh my god, it's so good. And I think Matt Newman's on record for saying it's the most broken card in the base set. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, you have Astral yeah. Travel that's that does not even close to what Elusive can do and has a huge drawback. Um, and costs a lot more to play, and it's they're both level zero, which is mind-boggling. Yeah, now elusive is a card I would be willing to pay two experience points for, without a but, doubt. Yeah, and which because I think it, further speaks to its power level. Yeah, mm-hmm. like yeah. it's a to me that I would rather have that card in my deck than than a lot of the XP cards we see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just because it's so agree. it's so versatile and it, it you know there's it can get you out of so many different situations and and really you know just straight up we need the game sometimes so what about switch well, blade yeah i was just gonna say you know going into the next road card does this card really need to cause three experience that one was confusing when i saw it um, yeah, this is this one is the surprise to me because I I've never played it I've never given it a whole lot of thought so obviously there are some players out there who have who have been abusing this thing but it never really was on my radar so I get that it costs one resource and it's a fast action whereas a say machete is three three resources and it's not fast but it was already an experience. It, it already cost two, right? Two experience points? Yes. So it, it already felt balanced to me. Of How many cards did they put on this on this list? One, two, three, six cards. Out of six total cards in the entire card pool, they, they felt that Switchblade was one of the six most broken cards. Kind of mind-boggling. <laughs> Maybe not necessarily broken, but felt as though... It needed, needed to be to balanced. Cost more experience, yeah. Slightly undercosted, as compared to some of the others. Yeah. So, what are what are other weapon options for rogues at three experience? They have the Lupara, right? Am I misremembering that? No, I think Lupara is right. Um, they have the Derringer at level two, if I'm, and something else. And I think most of the time you end up taking derringer is kind of like your auto auto weapon in rogues for the most part switchblade is nice but unless you have the means of um you know bumping yourself up to deal that extra damage it can you know often feel underwhelming i think at least in my experience playing the card yeah, who would I'm want just... it of oh, oh sorry go ahead sorry I'm, yeah i'm just looking at the list now there's the 41 derringer the chicago typewriter um Lupara, 
switchblade and then I guess the upgraded 45 Thompson would be the other one now with uh, for the greater good out so of all the rogues that that are out right now um, who would take something above or before they would take switchblade I think skids has guardian weapons up to level two and uh, Jenny can take level zero guardian weapons which are usually better well, you're not taking anyway. machete anymore so all <laughs> right well i guess if you're uh, using the full list that does make sense yeah i mean it's either it, one thing to note too that we didn't mention earlier this is an all or nothing um list so if you you can't pick and choose the rules that you want to play with if you want to play with this list you have to adhere to all the rules on the list otherwise um, the police come and take you away yeah other otherwise you know the the star spawn of Cthulhu come and they, you know, devour your flesh. <laughs> Sacrifice you, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, yeah, so Jenny doesn't really want this card. Um, Finn is mostly just going to evade anyway, so I don't think he wants a card like this, though it is illicit, if I'm correct, and he can kind of do stuff with that, but... I don't yeah. think it's really something he wants in his deck overall, especially a three experience. Um, Preston can't take it because it's illicit, right? Yeah. Yep. So. So really, just Finn then. And maybe Jenny, if you're playing the succeed by two or more build, but. Yeah. Now. Yeah. Who can take level two rogue cards? That Wendy. is not a rogue. Wendy. So maybe that's the key right there. But Wendy has one fight, so it's... Yeah, Wendy yeah, and she has to succeed by two to get the extra no, damage. Yeah, that does not sense. Yeah. So, uh, maybe maybe if Matt Newman ever comes onto the show and we can ask him, like, why? why, Just why? Why is this card on this list? We can... Yeah, I mean, it, it could be him. to take it out of some of the... You know, by bumping it up to three you are taking it out of quite a few investigators if they can if they have access to rogue 0 to 2 well it's still so it's the same with machete right if i would routinely play machete in in anybody who could take it and so if you're following this list now that's not an available option so you have to say if i was playing jim culver i might play machete in him just because it was, it was a good weapon and now at two XP, that's taken. That option is taken away. So now I've got to look for something else to. And I'd like to point out that you brought up uh, Jim Culver before Diana Stanley was brought up. Because I mean, really, <laughs> at the end of the day, we need to talk more about Jim, less about Diana. Um, oh. <laughs> I think ultimately, though, I think that's the, that's the, the hot spot is the fact that um, you know the people at Fantasy Flight, Matt and and his crew are trying to take away the things that are just auto-includes that seem too good to be true. And if they picked it as one of their six, as you pointed out, then they either saw a way that it could be abused soon or that was already being abused and wanted to kind of shift the focus towards some other ways of playing Rogue in this case. Well, you mentioned um, auto-include cards, and these permanent cards on the list are... I think easily 
most people would consider these probably the most broken cards in the entire game. Uh, higher Education and Streetwise both received an additional 5 XP. So they cost 8 XP to put into your deck. That'll wake you up like a good cup of coffee in the early oh, yeah. morning. Yeah, absolutely. I, honestly, like it's still worth it, though. Wow. These cards are... I, I think so. I, I think mean, it's I think worth it. I think that's a testament right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, if it, go ahead there, base. Oh, sorry. Yeah, the... All I wanted to say is the the most important thing is you don't have to buy two of them, you know. So right, exactly. Yeah. You know, like it's essentially two shotguns, but higher education is going to make you pass like every intellect test you need to make and probably every willpower test you need to make. So, but the fact that you can say, "Hey, they just up these five experience and they're absolutely still takeable," points to the fact that they were right to put them on that list in the first place. Agreed. Yeah, man, what do you think about... I think Streetwise is definitely the bigger hit. Um, I think Rogues are much more reliant on... Yeah, Streetwise is... Like, Preston is a god with Streetwise on the table, um, in my experience. Like, that's really the only card he needs, (laughs) in addition to his just starting stuff. Once he gets Streetwise, I was just walking through scenarios with no problem. So, Um, just real quick, for a lot of people listening, Slash maybe people in this group, the fact that he has all one stats and the fact that you said you were walking through scenarios, you found that his stat line hasn't been that big of a hindrance, I take it. No, I think it, I think they, when they gave him family inheritance with those four resources, that makes up for a lot of it. He's at level, at at the opening of a campaign, he struggles a little because he has no way of investigating very well, at least in solo play. That was my experience, is that the first scenario was always touch and go because he, he has very limited options to, to grab clues. And, and so if you could get over that hump and then your first purchase was streetwise, I almost found, like, I played almost the entire Dunwich Legacy um, just with Streetwise as the only card I upgraded. And, he, <laughs> I, and I never had a problem, like, until I hit uh, where Doom awaits. That was the first time I felt like, okay, I'm playing a 3 XP deck. I need to put more cards <laughs> in here. Huh. Because he, he was just crushing tests left, right, and center. Like, there was just nothing he couldn't, he couldn't beat at that point. And do you think that's a symptom of Dunwich or do you think that's a symptom of Streetwise just being probably too good? I think it's a combination of uh, uh, probably a little bit of both. I mean with Preston, he does have all those resources to spend on Streetwise, which makes it very good. And I wouldn't say Dunwich is the most difficult of the campaigns, so uh, real can... quick Man from Lang, uh, just answer me this one quick question about Preston because I've been curious. How often did you use the uh, bank ability where you take things off his family inheritance and put it on on him? Uh, I was the build I was playing. I played two different builds. I played a um, dark horse build, and I played a big money build. And the dark horse build, I rarely, if ever, took money because I didn't need it. I just had Madame Labranche, and so I'd have no money. I'd get some money. Then I had the money on family inheritance, and I had more than enough money to, to use Fire Axe and, and Streetwise every turn. 
the big money build, I tended to, I wouldn't take money until sort of midway through a scenario, and then I'd start taking. And I was routinely hitting 16 resources, 16 plus resources okay. toward the end. And But the problem then was is that you, if you end up make, having to make a lot of tests, those 16 resources don't last very long mm. because you've, you've got to commit so much of them just to get him up to, you know, you're, you're committing basically two to just make him average. Yeah. And then if you want him to be above average. So if you end up in a lot of, like in a scenario where you've got to fight a lot or do anything a lot, like with Fire Axe, it was just like, okay, this a couple of combats and I'd be back down to, to you know, eight or ten resources. And then, you know, sort of toward the end, I just end up with, build up. yeah, you'd have to build up again. Uh, side note, just real quick, Chris and Simon at Buy the Same Token. Uh, I don't know if you all saw this. They made these cool new tokens with gold bars on them, so you could hit five and ten resources on just one token. <laughs> just for that's Preston. cool. Just uh, for him. <laughs> yeah, they look really good. They look good. But cool. Yeah. Um, mo- moving back onto our main topic. Um, yeah, Sorry, it, Nate. It, it's. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think um, yeah I, I think Streetwise and Higher Education both kind of are those cards that you, you could just run through campaigns with um, yeah I had a similar experience with uh, Daisy running through Dunwich where she just absolutely crushes when she has Higher Education and you know a couple copies of Shriveling you're able to just pretty much host through anything yeah, I know. I when I pl- I was playing Ursula during the last campaign, and and I waited to pick up higher education until later. And as soon as I did, it it makes things run so much better because then you're not. I mean, her willpower is only I think two or three. I think it's a three. Three, and then yeah. so when you're hitting that for plus two every time, suddenly those willpower tests that are are sort of her Achilles heel are are no longer an issue mm-hmm. and I guess for balance's sake they also have Scrapper on the list the survivor permanent version of this card uh, which now costs 5 XP which I think is kind of the other oddball out on this list is is there any time that any of you guys have played this card and have liked it never I've never I've played, played it. it. I've played it in. I think I played it in Lola, and I played it in Yorick. Maybe I can't remember. It's okay. I. I, I mean, if you need will, if you need agility in combat, then it's. Yeah, one the for, only other investigator one one I was. Bad. I was thinking that you'd even want a card like this is maybe Silas, but. Yeah, Silas could put it to good use. Yeah, but. Yeah, other than that, it seems kind of a strange choice to have more XP tacked onto it, especially when they didn't hit Keen Eye or um, Blood Pact. Yeah, which well, well probably Keen more Eye is not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, well, probably more uh, imbalanced cards just because they're not very good. But yeah, it, it seems like a kind of a more of a cautious hand than it does that this card was a problem so we needed to increase the experience on it 
I have used Kenai uh, more than Blood Pact or Scrapper, though. I mean, I don't think it needs additional penalties or experience. But how often, as a guardian, are you, like, flush with resources for Kenai? Do you you think they have a keen eye on it? Just saying. That's probably why they didn't touch it. I usually buy keen eye, and then I'll use it maybe like just a handful of times but during a during a campaign but but when i do use it it you know it's clutch yeah that's exactly it's 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 something you're not you're not using it every single turn where like with higher education there's almost no reason not to use it every single turn if you Mm -hmm. can whereas with keen eye it requires because the cost is different you sort of look at it and say, can I get away without it? Yeah, okay. But then when you hit that one test where it's like, okay, I really need I need to, to max this out, it's nice to have that option sitting there and you you know, you can go to town on it at that point. One hundred lasts for the whole turn too, right? Yeah, it lasts the whole turn. So if say if you're at that boss fight at the end, it's like, Okay, well I'm I'm going all in on Kenai and I'm gonna take down Silas or whatever this turn or if you need to investigate well speaking of investigating um dr Marlon christopher <laughs> has seen a mutation uh, he now exhausts himself after you successfully investigate limiting the amount of resources that you can gain in a single turn should have been uh, there in the first place yeah i think everyone's probably in agreement with that yeah that's why why was that not i think that was obviously just kind of an oversight yeah yeah and even i mean even in this state you know gaining a resource a turn for doing something that you were that you were going to do anyway it's like i'm going to you need to investigate locations to win the game so gaining a resource every time you do that Gain a free action every time you do an action you need to win the game. You know, and as it's and it's as it's written now, it's after you successfully investigate still. So it's you, if you mm. fail, you're losing nothing. Now, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I, I, go ahead. So comparing him to uh, Alice Luxley, who is some people are com- comparing her as kind of like the equivalent of Milan Christopher. But I don't think so. I think Alice Luxley is highly dependent on whether you have a creature in your location and you probably don't want to be engaged to that creature or you want to use cards that don't provoke attacks of opportunity to pick up a clue here and there. But for her, her ability to kick in, A, I think you'd have to be in a multiplayer game uh, more often than not. And I, I do like her, don't get me wrong. I'm saying she's more balanced for a level zero card than Mylon Christopher is because she, you're not going to benefit from her every single round, whereas with Milan, you, you pretty much you have to investigate. So you're, you're benefiting from the beginning all the way until the end of the scenario. Yeah, and to note on Alice, too, real quick, um, you know, it's dependent on the scenario, too. If you're playing a scenario like the Miskatonic Museum, and there's only one enemy in the encounter deck, you're probably never going to trigger her realistically. Maybe once or twice, but... Um, yeah, so, you know, it's also limited on that aspect, too. 
Yeah, I think the problem with Dr. Mylon Christopher is that higher education simply exacerbated how bad he was because you're you're investigating, you're getting that resource that you can then turn into two two bumps on a skill. And if you can investigate three times, you're getting three bumps and it just it gets ridiculous from that point whereas this this will rein him in a bit so you're only getting the one but i mean we've we've also seen more cards that give re, like crack the case right so now seekers they have other ways to get resources as well they don't necessarily need to ride christopher as hard as they were before and he's still a great card even with this limitation i think he still would fit in pretty well in a, in a lot of secret decks yeah I, I i still like to play him in jenny solo too so i mean he's definitely still very good um and moving on to the next mutated card which works in tandem with dr Ryland christopher is rex murphy and this card gains uh his reaction ability is now limit once per round um this again feels like a obvious probably necessary change to Rex. Uh, yeah, especially in multiplayer where you just move to a location, scoop up four plus clues with a deduction or something, and then you advance like in a single turn when you're not supposed to, or something silly along those lines. Yeah, I know the first time I played Rex in multiplayer, I was just like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> like, how did this guy... How did this guy get past playtesting? Because it was just like, I'm like, I don't have to do anything. Like, everybody else just sat around because I was either, I was racing through scenarios. Like, it's like, okay, so what? There are four clues there. I get them all, mm -hmm. like, in a turn. And then you just move to an, the next location, rinse and repeat. It's like, unless you're the encounter deck's putting a ton of pressure on you and you know you're you're really rarely in danger yeah and even solo he's he's a monster i mean some people you know say oh well in solo you only pick up one clue on, in most locations but there's that combo with burglary where you just do a burglary <laughs> and you pick up the free clue and you gain a resource and you gain a resource from Milan christopher and you still become a monster it's crazy <laughs> Yeah, and then you can just use those resources into higher ed. So, ugh. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's so gross. So it's <laughs> it's nice to see that all these obviously powerful Seeker cards are, um, I guess, uh, the developers also see them as problems as well. Um, but, yeah, mo moving on to the next mutated card, we have Delve Too Deep, which gains group limit two copies of Delve Too Deep in the victory display. Um, mentioning the Mythos Busters podcast, they mentioned in their uh, Path to Carcosa Iron Man that they had like six of these at one point. Yeah, we when I was playing the Iron Man, we were doing the same thing. It was, <laughs> it was obscene the amount of experience points we got from this. Like we were like we were intentionally not like Unspeakable Oath is the type of scenario you try to finish as quickly as you can, and we were stopped because we were still delving it's like no we we could win this but no you have one more delve in your deck so let's wait and get that out like we were just you're gaining so many extra experience points every 
every game. Like this is no surprise to me. It's yeah, I think this is one of those. Um, this was probably how the card was intended to be played, and Matt and Nate probably never thought that you know people with multiple collections would get up together and you know just kind of play eight copies of Delve Too Deep. No. No, it's it's a little it can be a little tricky in multiplayer depending on what happens. Um you know, you can get a bunch of bad draws, but I think with the the one exception in Unspeakable Oath where we were waiting and delving, that was the only time it almost cost us a game. Every other time it was just like, yeah, we'll just wait. We'll wait till you delve next turn. And of course, the thing is, people, when when they talk about Delve Too Deep, you're not delving for four, you're not drawing four encounter cards because everybody has resigned, except the Delver. Oh, that's true. So everybody resigns, the Delver sits there, he he delves, and you're gaining four experience points for one co- one encounter card at that point. So then they, what they should have done in the mutation list, in my opinion, is make it where only anyone who's still in the game when it's played gets the extra experience points that would that would force people to kind of think twice about using it in that way i would think i don't know i think that's a little hard to judge or like yeah probably from a book yeah from a bookkeeping perspective that would be be tough but I i think in yeah in a lot of cases like even in the probably the mythos busters iron man they were doing the same thing it's like some everybody resign and then we'll del you know we'll we'll get in a couple more delves and wait and so if you're only drawing one or two encounter cards you're basically getting xp for free at that point which is not really what this card was intended to do you know there you were getting the xp but you were supposed to be exposed to some sort of threat and the way the card is written it's not mm-hmm. Yeah, so I haven't played. I'd play a lot of solo, so I and I don't play a lot of mystic, so I don't have a lot of experience with this card personally. But yeah, that seems ridiculous. Yeah, um, even even in solo, it's I mean you, it's awfully tempting just to sit there if you've got a delve in your hand and it's like sure I'll take another encounter. Like especially if you're sitting on a resign location, if you know you can resign and be immune to pretty much everything except a bad treachery why not yeah absolutely yeah the the risk is is not extremely rough uh for for the benefit in the in the league of extraordinary investigators we have someone playing jenny and she has two delves in in the deck and on average so far people are getting like between two and like four very few people are getting four experience points for finishing the scenario, but Jenny ended up, I think, with seven um, experience altogether at the end of the scenario, which <laughs> she's going to have an amazing deck going into the second one. It's uh, <laughs> it's it's going to be fun to watch that. Is that Jenny playing quick thinking in their deck? Uh, I can't recall. I can't recall if they are or not. Well, because if they're going to play it in the future with this mutated list, it's now max one committed per skill test. Um Oh, yeah, this is also kind of seems. Yeah, the yeah, league is not that. using these rules. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, this 
this change kind of seems like a more of a spirit of the spirit of the law change. Yeah, there was there was a guy. I wish I could remember his name, but there was a guy I interviewed at uh, Arkham Knights who was playing a rogue build that was getting who was playing all the extra action tech and was getting something like 12 actions a turn, 12 plus, I don't know. It was some ridiculous number. And I think, you know, they obviously with two of these uh, action cards, action, action advantage cards on the list, it's, it's tough to, to balance them. Because if you can take you know, everybody gets three, but if you're taking 12, so if you're playing two quick thinkings, two ace in the, uh, and then you're playing an ace in the hole, and then somebody else at the table's playing an ace in the hole, things get out of hand in a hurry. The thing with committing two quick thinkings to the same test is also you tend to combo it with double or nothing, and now you're getting four. If you succeed yeah. by two or more, you're getting four extra actions that turn. I'm surprised double or nothing isn't on this list. It's kind of thinking staple of, in rogues. Thinking of cards that that can be abused. Well, would like you, I played double. How, how would you mutate it? I don't you... know. I I have no idea. I just know that when I was at Arkham Knights, um, uh, we were playing. Uh, I was playing Finn and was comboed with Daisy, as the Seeker, and we could clear a ten loot. 10 clue location in one action <laughs> with a double or nothing so you know that's pretty if you can pull off that sort of nonsense then it's yeah it's it, it definitely can be abused i actually was able to get like i think it was 12 resources and six damage out uh, and two extra turns out with like skids when I was test playing before the league, um, yeah, all in one in one test uh, committing for one test and I was able to to nail down six damage, twelve resources and like four extra, or two extra actions or something. So definitely can be abused tremendously, but I don't know how you would limit something like that. Yeah, I mean they might have maybe maybe that's a card that you can put on a limited list and add an experience point cost to it or something like that maybe because i think i think some double some people who play double or nothing tend to wait until they have it's not like an automatic choice in a level zero deck but it is the further you go down so so it sort of players would be more naturally inclined to pick it up later with experience but yeah, I, I have no idea how how you would go about that sort of thing. Yeah. But I'm I, I'm I'm not surprised these two extra action cards are have been mutated because it you can really Yeah, and Ace Ace in the Hole was a card that you could essentially um repeat over and over again to gain uh, unlimited actions for listeners that perhaps are unaware. Um there's a Arita build. I can't remember the Arkham DB user, but I remember seeing that deck, and it's essentially just um, the Will to Survive and this card, Ace in the Hole, plus a couple other cards that essentially just loop those two cards over and over again. So you just take 
a, an absurd amount of actions for free and succeed all the time ever. So that mm. seems this it, this change seems specific to target that that interaction. Yeah. Um, what do you guys think of the sleight of hand change? Because personally, kind of it kind of bums me out. Yeah, I think it's more of a flavor thing. Uh, you know, <laughs> how can you slide a hand of massive flamethrower or something, <laughs> um, or what, whatever a two-handed? Well, well, you should ask Bruce Campbell because he has a boomstick, and I mean, come on. Oh, like, true. That, yeah, like that's that's all I want to do. I just want to slide a hand of my shotgun and kaboom. And Matt, you took it away from me, and I'm sad. It's yeah, I. I don't. I mean, I guess there are some builds that I've that I've seen online with sleight of hand, but I don't know. It's it's not overly broken in in any game that I've played. I've never seen it abused in any way. I think it's definitely one of the stronger cards that came out of that deluxe box. But yeah, I ha I've I haven't played. I I tend not to play sort of decks geared to abuse cards, so. I'm sure there are ways to do it, but... Yes, Sleight of Hand is a pet card of mine, personally. I've just, I've had a lot of fun playing that card, so it's sad. Um, and what do you guys, I guess moving on to the final card here, what do you guys think of Key of Yeast? It should have been exceptional to begin with, I think. <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely mean, agree with that, too. It's... It is the key of yeast. You should be. There shouldn't be two keys of yeast. That doesn't make any sense. I mean, when I, it's it's an amazing card if you can get it out, and now it's going to be a little bit tougher. So. Yeah. But there were ways to fetch it as well. Yeah, I mean I, now I played. I was playing it in my Finn deck, and I when I got it down, Finn was way better than when I didn't have it down. So. You know, it can make a huge impact. Yeah, Seekers can still, if built right, can find it almost every game if, you know, with the right cards. If you put in a Mr. Rook and um, No Stone Unturned, cards like that will just be able to just search for it very quickly and get it out. How much did it cost? Was it five? I can't remember. Yeah, it was five. Five experience. So now it's ten. Yeah, that's... Ten is steep. For one card. Yeah, but it is probably arguably the best card in the game. So, question mark? Yeah. I don't Strongest. know. I, it's, it's pretty strong. It's, it's plenty. I mean, it is, isn't it? Wouldn't it be the highest XP card in the game at this point? Yes. At 10? Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. I don't think there's one that's higher than that. So, that alone speaks to its its power and I mean you get it down on the table you get to soak two or three horror and then all your abilities go up by two or three you're you're laughing although I did find in some in certain builds it's actually quite in like I was playing it in uh, Father Mateo I was testing it in that and it's actually sort of balanced in a, you know, I found in Mystic builds just because they, like up until the release of Wither now, um, 
shriveling was really their only option and shriveling had that horror oh yeah and so you could end up taking sort of surprise horror and end up losing your key so you could get it down but it wasn't guaranteed that you could keep it because you always sort of had to be very wary that okay if i'm shriveling i could lose my key as well but yeah, that's I, just specific to that class. I find myself not including key often in my decks, just due to the fact that it costs so much experience. I end up usually like buying other staple cards first. Um, I'm in the same boat as Nate. We're taking turns paddling. Yeah, I, I just, I guess it's like it's obviously powerful, so I've never really felt the need to include it in my deck because it just kind of feels like it's one of those cards that's just makes the game easier just having it in your deck i guess but maybe that's kind of a strange opinion to have uh, yeah in in the many multiplayer games i have a meetup that i run uh, at least once a month a few sometimes every few weeks and i always play with different people and i've never played with anyone who uses this card and we always do um standalone so you have experience to build your deck with and Never played with anyone who's used it. I think people in general kind of self-impose that limitation with that card. It's it, yeah, yeah, it has. And sorry, this list ahead. is optional, so that's that's really my only concern about the list is is because it's optional, and this is speaking just from a reviewer's point of view, is that I'm still going to be reviewing cards. Um, and not taking the list into consideration because um, it's just easier that way because I think people who are listening to the card reviews just want to hear what the cards do and I'll probably still mention you know well you can play this in combination with sleight of hand and so people may come yeah, and, no, and, and say hey that's, you, that's you can't right do it. you know sleight of you know you can't play sleight of hand anymore that way it's just like no it's optional everybody can do it if they want yeah, you know so, there there are players out there who have no idea FAC was released. So, as far as they're concerned, the the game will go on as it has. So, and just to quickly wrap up this section, there are no cards currently in the forbidden list. But um, if there were to be any cards, what do you what do you for, uh, foresee entering this list at some point, perhaps? Henry War. <laughs> For being an aspiring actor. Somebody did send me a note saying that they had played Henry Wan in Miskatonic Museum and they were drawing 12 cards and resources with certainty. What? Huh. It was only in that, in that scenario and I don't know how they did it. But hmm. They well, didn't explain weird. to you at all? That seems... No, they didn't, they didn't elaborate on, on how this was possible, but... Huh. And why that particular scenario? I smell fish. Mm. Are you mm. cooking? <laughs> no. <laughs> Showers are a thing, I, man. <laughs> you know, to find a a card that would be worse than key of yeast, like if key of yeast isn't forbidden and higher education isn't forbidden, um, I think you'd be really hard pressed to find a card that would ever be that crazy but yeah, it was right, smart right there with you 
it was smart of them very simply to make that category just to kind of get it on people's minds because it's going to soften the blow the day it does happen but it's also going to get all the players to start being like man this one card I could see it entering the ban list you know they start making that a possible thought and it does give them some room to like say okay Dr. Mylan Christopher you make it mutated and say okay now he exhausts and if he's still ripe for abuse then maybe he needs to be forbidden like it just gives them that option to say okay the, sure. the mute we tried to mutate it it was it was still too good so now it it gets bumped down to forbidden that and and uh i think nathan said uh future proofing it's 100 percent uh, as the card pool grows it just becomes so much harder to think of every possible card interaction and scenario um when you think of card games like that have a huge card base like magic the gathering they're constantly banning cards like a week after the release of certain certain packs and stuff and it's because they don't anticipate someone figuring out a combo with some card from 10 years ago and you know it's um it's really nice that they planned ahead just in case something like that happens yeah um other changes to the faq um they fixed the one of the scenarios uh the witching hour i believe they changed it so you put five locations into play regardless of the number of investigators yeah yeah, there was a, uh, for those who don't know, there was a bug or a, a game design flaw in that scenario where you could potentially um, draw the worst possible set of locations to not be able to get enough clues to advance to the final act in, in that scenario. So they fixed that. I think that was probably the best way of fixing it rather than trying to like remove one of the one clue locations from the pool. So you always have enough clues. Um, other changes than that, though, I don't think there's really much to go over. Um, yeah, they just clarified the deck building restrictions for for the Dunwich investigators now with the uh, the multi class cards. But they that was already in the in the secret name handout where they'd already tweaked that. Um, but in other news, they did announce the return to Carcosa, or the return that to the Carcosa. Um, so what are your guys' initial thoughts on this product? Are you excited? Are you not excited? Um, do you, what, what cards do you hope to see upgraded in this well, set? I already spoke out of order right when you were getting to go in along with, uh, Vase's woohoo. Um, <laughs> I, I, I don't know why, because rationally it doesn't make any sense when I saw that hit the news feed that it just made me really happy. I mean, I think I'm like a majority of the players, I would argue, that we like content and having options, even if we're not necessarily going to use the content or options. It's just cool to have extra. And, you know, I think there's a lot of people out there that really like the Carcosa cycle. So to, to be able to go back and visit the old haunts and to re-interact with stuff uh i mean it, it made me really happy when i saw it drop what do you think face yeah i'm i'm really excited for it i enjoyed the return to dunwich uh changes for the scenarios and it's the only version of dunwich that i play 
except for the league because I have to play the original for the league. But um, I can't wait to see what they do with Carcosa. I think that cycle was really well done uh, on its first release. Uh, there are a few scenarios that maybe needed a few tweaks, and hopefully they did make some of those tweaks. But I'm also really excited about some of those player cards. The logical reasoning, it, it just looks amazing. <laughs> logical reasoning level 2 or level 4, um, where you can heal up to 6 horror with one with one card is really amazing. And uh, I think they, were, they also announced the Colt, was it? Yeah, the 32 Colt now has a, you can spend a resource to bounce it back to your hand. Which is really cool. That's neat. Um, yeah, and the logical reasoning also gains an additional willpower icon. Yeah. So, yeah, these upgrades seem... Yeah, and I think you can see in the in the product announcement, there's, there's alchemical transmutation. That card, I was really not... That card sucks. Uh, so maybe an upgrade will do better i've heard i'm not sure what there's a guardian card there i'm not sure whether that's eat let or not and then there's suggestion the uh the rogue spell and it looks like we're also getting another weakness so you know it does look like they're kind of instead of doing a or b they're going the c route and by that i mean i remember you talked about the upgrade or um, the cards that they revisited there were all cards that really didn't impact anything so they tried to breathe new life into them. And I think instead of doing that exact thing or going with all good cards, I think they're kind of doing a mix. Where Because I know I run a, a logical reasoning in a lot of my secret decks. I just like it. Um, and I think that they wanted to add some to some popular cards and then also do, you know, go back and like you said, make a card that you could give a crap about something that you might want to try. What do you what do you guys think about the slight um, changes in the scenarios that they've revealed so far? Um, they've uh, spoiled uh, a new enemy, uh, Le Comtis. Uh, she's a, a one fight, three health, three of eight enemy that spawns in the balcony um, of the first scenario. What is that curtain call? Uh, she is hunter, and after you. She has an ability that reads Forced. After you defeat Le Comtis, you place her in your hand as a hidden card. And while she's in your hand, she gains... Uh, this card counts as four cards instead of one while checking your hand size. And has another ability that reads Forced. After you discard one or more cards from your hand during upkeep, take a horror. Brutal. Yeah, that that's, seems that's really pretty, brutal. That's pretty rough. But she only hits for a horror. She is a hunter, so she will chase you. Art, yeah, that, but mean, she's probably amazing. she is unique. So if there's only one copy of her in the deck, I mean it's going to be pretty swingy. If you draw her, she could. I mean between her and then the other those the whispers in your head cards, oh, I, I think I they count for cards. they count for two uh, or I'd something like, to like say that. Yeah, I really like them now, Nate. So. Okay. I, I, I like the design of those cards, but I, uh, man, I hate drawing them, which is probably a, a good design on the cards, but oh my goodness, I hate those cards. 
Um, we don't know I, though if she's gonna go in the in the encounter deck or spawn after a flip of an agenda or something though. Yeah, I was just gonna say she could even start the scenario in play too, because you start in the theater and she spawns in the balcony. So right. So you never know. I mean, she she could be a force to be reckoned with every single game, and I think I think maybe they threw her in um, to to add a little bit more importance because I think Carcosa was one of the was one of the scenarios where evading wasn't the greatest strategy. I think this adds a little bit more importance to the evasion strategy. Yeah, I would agree with that criticism of that campaign by and large. Um, maybe yeah, except for uh, not Dark Star's Rise, uh, the one where you have to evade the Opera Man the entire time. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, by and large, though, I think that criticism is pretty fair. Um, and it looks like they've changed quite a bit to the the second scenario too. Um, the product fan has a a second version of the agenda and we see a, a party guest which has an ability uh, it's a asset that reads revelation find the bystander asset with the most clues on it and put party guest into play at that assets location investigators cannot parlay with bystander assets at party guest location and it has an action that you can spend two resources to parlay to move it to a connecting location so this is annoying yeah <laughs> it's, it's really annoying it's pretty clear that this is a fix to the bug that uh oh what was her name yeah she arrives at the party uh, yeah i was trying to think the same yeah she doesn't do what she's supposed to do yeah because once you gain all the clues off one guest she just stays there because she goes to the least clues and she doesn't really affect you the rest of the scenario whereas this kind of does the same thing but it does come out (laughs) I, if the if it goes in the deck, um, assuming it does, then it could just pop out any time. Yeah, and she can't, and you can't kill her. Like you can move her around, but you can't kill her. So, mm-hmm. yeah, you're gonna have to deal with this. Like and it's, and it's she taxes your resources too. So depending on what your board state is, where the where the resource guy is, that could be pretty tough to get an additional to pick up that guy. And not only that, but um, the scenario also has corrosion and um, other things that just make you discard your assets. Crypt chill, I think. It's just, you could, I find when I play that scenario sometimes, you know, I end up having to, like, spend all of my resources replaying my items. Yeah, and just when you get a a corroded weapon, that's when the really strong cockroach comes out at you. It's horrible. Yep, you sit, you're sitting in the courtyard and cockroaches <laughs> fly out of nowhere and then you're trying to you're trying to parlay with a guest and then all of a sudden this party guest shows up and, and it, uh, I, yeah worst I, party ever yeah <laughs> um, other than that they've kind of revealed that there is going to be new versions of the act deck for uh, what is that unspeakable oath with that transorbital lobotomy artwork that's also amazing. Uh, if I wish they would make poor, more playmats, because they have all this great art, and I want it on a playmat, please. I would have that on a playmat. Um, mm-hmm. But other than that, this 
this looks sweet, I think. Uh, uh, by and large, it feels like the community's favorite campaign cycle is the Path to Carcosa. So I'm definitely excited to see what they change and what they add to the scenarios in this campaign. I think that even with the return to the Path to Carcosa, it's still 100% no snakes. Yes. I, I can't... To- yeah, I'm try- I was going to say, I feel like there was at least one, but I think I'm just thinking, thinking of the, the thing in the catacombs with the skull on it. You mean the non-snake? Yeah, the non-snake that looks kind of like a snake. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, that thing. Um, but, Vase, you had mentioned earlier about your League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, or uh, Extraordinary Investigators, uh, playthrough of Dunwich. How is that? Uh, how's that been going for you? Oh man, it's so much fun. Uh, they have a Facebook page for the for everyone who's playing, and you have to live stream your games. So there's been a lot of interesting live streams, and I think uh, <laughs> I think it's it's become pretty clear that playing solo, you tend to make a lot of mistakes that you don't even realize you're making. But we have people verifying the game, so people are catching the mistakes a lot more, and it's. Uh, it's been it's been interesting. Uh, it's been a lot of fun to watch everyone's play style and um, everyone's decks, how they're performing. Uh, so far, in the, we had seventeen people enter the league, and so far, um, it seems like the survivors are are doing pretty well. The rogues actually are doing the best, I think. Um, we had one guardian, Zoe, enter, and they haven't played yet, so we'll Ooh. see how she does. And the two mystics that joined in are both playing Marie. <laughs> so that's that'll be wow. interesting to watch as well. Yeah. But the, the league has been a lot of fun. Um, people are still doing their playthroughs. They have till the end of this week, I think. So we've had maybe six out of the 17 so far stream their playthroughs. So we still got a ways to go to see where the scores are for the first round. But uh, the community has been really, really come together for it like it's not it hasn't been like a a nasty competition or anything everyone's even when they're noticing other people's mistakes they're like really adult about it someone said that that they're everyone was being really adult about their mistakes and things and i think that's the right way to describe it oh that's cool cool. how many how many people are playing in the the Uh, 17 17 people total signed up for the league nice that's pretty that's a pretty good turnout for the first time yeah yeah it's it's been cool, and um, figuring out like what the penalties are for mistakes and stuff has been a bit of a conundrum. Um, you know, everyone's trying to be respectful and not over-punish, but also, you know, trying to figure out what's what weighs more, because you don't know if someone made a big mistake, like forgetting to draw an encounter card or things like that. Like, I, I made a major mistake on one of my playthroughs and it's hard to really quantify what what would have happened if you didn't make the mistake yeah i have i had an issue like that recording um a rita playthrough of return to dudwich that i've been doing the three ultimatum playthrough and in like the second turn of the game i accidentally took a fourth action when i shouldn't have and (laughs) yeah it like caused me to win the game by one action so i scrapped the entire game and now I've just had stuff on my table and haven't been able to play live ever since so yeah if you if you're putting it on your channel if you if you catch it beforehand that's 
kind of what I do too. I'll I'll either make a note in the video when I'm editing it or like people are generally very good about if you put notes that you realize you made the mistake, um, they won't say anything. But if you don't say anything, you someone will, will let you know <laughs> that you oh, made that mistake. Oh, definitely, yeah. I had, yeah, which is cool because I like, you know, obviously learning from my mistakes or learning from suboptimal plays, but... Definitely. Yeah, I would I would say by and large that the Arkham community is very uh, sportingly or adulting uh, of uh, criticism. I, I, oh. I like both those terms you did. Um, I have a question for everybody, uh, and we'll start with the man from Lang for the answer, so get ready, you're up to bat. How often, when you're doing a full campaign, do you ever start off and just things go sideways very quickly... And you stop and you reset it without any penalties. The reason I ask, we were doing um, uh, the Forgotten Age. I want to say it was the second scenario, the Doom of Etsley. And in the first six polls, we had four tentacles, a negative four, and a negative five. It was just absolutely horrible. And it completely just wrecked us right off the bat. And so instead of you know getting together making that time once a month to just sit there and, and suffer. We reset it with no repercussions. How often does that happen in when you play? I tend to play if I'm doing like Forgotten Age was a was a weird uh, weird campaign that way because you could get wrecked pretty quickly, um, especially on Doom of Estley. And I think also on the boundary beyond, and I just tended to play it like I would just with with Doom. I would just sort of depended. I I might take just take the penalty of the ten, just blow up the temple and and move on, or often I would just play the scenario over and over again until I got a result that I was happy with, and then would move on to the next one. So, you know, I might play. 10 games of Doom of Esli and I might win one of them Wow! and then I'd move on and then I'd play like I think I did this with my Leo deck I played I made it through Doom pretty on that one I made it through Doom quite easily and then I played Threads and that went well and then I hit Boundary Beyond and between me just making play mistakes and the difficulty of the scenario I think I ended up replaying that one quite a few times before I I moved on okay. and I didn't I didn't I didn't penalize myself or anything like that because sure. the game is hard enough as it is and you know I'm just happy okay I you know I I got through the scenario I earned a couple experience points and just keep on trucking you know, so, so kind of like in a choose your own adventure book if you've got your finger on the page you're gonna let yourself go down a path and then come back to that spot and then try it again kind of thing. Yeah, I think you get a better sense. I think just by replaying the scenario, you just get a better sense as to like whether it's it's difficult or not. Like for me, like the ones in in Forgotten Age, like Doom is can be quite tricky. Threads I've rarely had problems with and Boundary can be just a a real pain in the ass. Sure, sure. And then Heart is is fine. So it's it's just sort of those those tougher scenarios I'll end up playing a lot more. And and I do like the tougher scenarios. Like and it's sort of at that point I'm almost just playing standalone. 
you know, I'm sort of playing a standalone game in a campaign and I'll just play boundary three or four times and then okay. pick the result that I like and, and move on. Vase, how about yourself? Are you talking about streaming or just uh, in general playing? In general playing. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it really depends on the on the type of of mistake and the scenario and all that. Uh, kind of like um, like Man from Lang, the uh, Doom of Esli, the first time I played it. Oh, man, I, I can't even <laughs> count because I, I didn't know what the penalty was, was going to add up to when you take 10 vengeance points. So I didn't want to go through the rest of the campaign doing that, so I just replayed it until I beat it. Um, but then there's other scenarios where it was clear that it was just going to be a slog, like Heart of the Elders after failing miserably on Boundary Beyond. I just want after the second or third, I just wanted to be done and over with it, so I just moved on. I don't know. Hopefully that answers your question. Okay, Nate. Um, I tend to just do my blind playthroughs as such, completely blind, and then afterward. I will, um, you know, play play through the scenarios again and try to, like, learn learn them more intently and, you know, maybe play pay more close attention to what I want to be doing and developing my strategies afterward. But when I, when I do my blind playthroughs, I strictly like the story experience and not knowing. So that's me personally. So I, I tend not to when I'm playing... Uh, off camera, I tend to not uh, correct mistakes unless they're really bad, and um, or restart rather. But I'll I'll, I'll usually yeah. just correct the game state to the best of my ability if I make a mistake. Well, and more to the point, I'm not talking about making a mistake. I'm talking about having just the worst possible run in the first couple of turns to the point where the next thirty minutes to an hour is not enjoyable because you've already like cut yourself oh. off at the knees. Yeah, I think at that point, it, I've had a couple playthroughs like that, and I usually just immediately restart the scenario. I just, yeah, just yeah. As someone who's played up. the, uh, like this happened quite a bit in the Lord of the Rings LCG, where you could two turns in, you knew, like you knew where you stood. It was either like you were dead, you just didn't know it yet, or you had a game on your hands, and so people would routinely. You know, if you even on streams, they would just reset after one or two turns gotcha. because they knew, okay. like, they they knew they'd played the scenario enough at that point that they know, like, if you haven't hit this this or that benchmark, you're just not you're not in a position to win. Right. And okay. I think I think in a scenario like like Doom is sort of like that, where it's like if you haven't done X by the time um, you're on, say, agenda. 2A like there's there's very little you can do to recover at that point and so you might as well just reset yeah okay I just wanted to get everybody's uh, quick opinion on that and I hope I didn't sever off too uh, prematurely the discussion about the uh, what is it the, the event extraordinary the league of extraordinary investigators no that's, that's cool um but, uh, yeah, Nathan, you had um, mentioned in our, our show notes that you wanted to mention a fan scenario. Yeah. I want you, so, yeah, I want you to go ahead and talk about that. Um, has anyone else played The Blood Spilled in Salem? Not as of yet. 
Okay. And I have not. Okay. Um, Blood Spilled in Salem. I'll just do a quick talk about it. Then won't carry too much since I don't want to spoil anything. Uh, it is by Colin Toll, T-O-W-L-E, I think. But I looked up how to pronounce it. We'll see if I butchered it. Um, I liked it quite a bit. Basically, in this one, you go to Salem, uh, the you know famous birthplace of the of the witches or what have you. And of course, in in this campaign, it's a horror-based RPG card game. Well, this time you find witches, uh, and it's cool. It starts off uh, fairly stable with a little bit of ominous in the background and then quite quickly you start running into issues you run into um, flocks of murderous crows you run into black cats all the time all of a sudden uh, familiars of course you run into several types of witches um, there's also a neat little uh, encounter where there's corrupt police officers and regular police officers so that kind of makes it neat and feel like a unique scenario, but I'll quickly start off. I'll read the um, the very intro here just to get people in the, the mood or give them an idea. It's late. You've been trying to sleep for some time now, but sleep doesn't come easy to you anymore. Every time you close your eyes, you just see those things chasing you. It's like they've started nesting in your mind. You've been pouring yourself over some old arcane text, just trying to grasp what it is you're up against, but half of it seems like fiction. Then again, the lines between what's real and not have been blurring of late, and it is getting you nowhere. And that's when the phone rings, etc., etc. And of course, you get called to Salem. Uh, they have something locked up in the town hall, and your goal is to try and get to the bottom of it. So I think it's kind of a neat scenario that gets into witchcraft before we get to the Circle Undone. Um, I've played it a couple different times. I actually had two very different experiences. It does have the, uh, it does have a lot of creatures that you're dealing with. And I think the first time I went down in a, in a blaze of glory against various creatures that I encountered. The second time I was able to get into the puzzle aspect and, and get a little further. Um, but I enjoyed both playthroughs and would recommend it to anybody and of course if you want to look it up uh, arkhamcentral.com it is available there to download for free you just have to print it out so working at a game store nathan you must play a lot of arkham with various people that come to the store right nope that is not correct you would think so no nate you would totally think i would but um i am busy to the point as the sales manager where I don't really get to stop that long and do much. I will make exceptions, and uh, if someone comes in, like you said, and doesn't know the game, I will skip my lunch break and probably snack on something and teach them the game for a half an hour. Um, I've also met people before after work to show them the game. But the one thing I do get to do, working at a large game store, is I get to show everybody the game, show them some of the scenario packs, show them some pictures and videos of my setup and at least express my passion for the game because at the end of the day it's made me very happy and if people come in looking for a great cooperative game with a choose your own adventure aspect to it 
like Lovecraft want a single player game with a lot of replay, I'm at least going to put it on their on their possibility board. Yeah, and and you do get quite a few people going into that store. It's uh, it's pretty amazing. When we did the, what was it? Um, was it an invocation event where we had like twenty four people in the in the store? Well, we did a double epic labyrinth of lunacy run. That's that was, what it was several, but then we also did a big invocation and had several people. So yeah, and we're gonna have another big one coming up, maybe tied in with this podcast. Yes, absolutely. Um, but do you do you find yourselves kind of burning out on Arkham every once in a while? Do you um, kind of feel like you need time away from the game to kind of refresh your mind a bit at all? I'm, I'm going to go ahead and let uh, Mr. Lang take this one first. Well, and this is why I, I was interested in raising this, because, you know, I've been playing this game since it uh, it came out back in... Was it October 2017? I think it came like out in that. 2016, actually. 2016. And, like, this is the first time I feel like I've, I've hit burnout in a game, and I'm trying to figure out how to get myself back playing more. And, uh, and I'm just, I, yeah, I'm, I, it's, it's a very strange situation because I, you know, I, I play a ton and, like this month I haven't played at all and so it's you know going from 60 to 0 <laughs> rather than 0 to 60 it's a it's a strange feeling and I and I'm not, and I'm I'm honestly not sure why it's um I think part of it may have been I just wasn't as high on the forgotten age cycle as mm. as uh, some players may have been like the I just didn't play those scenarios as much, and now maybe if I if I start playing Circle Undone, I'll I'll get back into it, or maybe just the the cards that are being released aren't really sparking the imagination. I'm not, yeah, I'm just not sure what the what the reason is for it. And I'm not sure it, what exactly it would take, but it seems to me if, if I've had something, no matter what it is, that I really enjoy, and all of a sudden it's not so much. I mean, I'll take a step back. It sounds like you very much have and just do it more when it, when it comes up, like, Hey, I've got a little time. I haven't done this thing or I heard of this new combo. Yeah. It's time to play. You know, personally, I've played the game, you know, not as much as you have like, but I've played the game probably two to three times a week since it came out. And uh, I've done things with it every single night. I'll either write for a scenario, work on cutting out, cutting out a fan-made, paint miniatures, work on scenery, go through my collection, re-sleeve things, whatever, listen to podcasts. I will literally do it daily, and I don't feel the need to slow down. I would, I would like to play right now, to put it bluntly. So... Um, but in your case, it, it does make sense because not not everything is going to last forever or or the like you said, that energy, that spark is not always going to be heightened. But I'd say taking a break every once in a while and doing something else and coming back with a fresh set of eldritch inspired eyes, you know, that, that makes sense to me. Yeah, and, and maybe part of it, too, is that you 
play so much solo, you know, um, I think what part of what makes the game great is that it has that cooperative aspect to it. So there's always that social aspect of playing the game too, whereas if you're playing it more, you know, if you're playing it basically entirely solo, you're kind of, it. I think it's definitely easier to get burnout in that circumstance where you're, um, you know, you're kind of just slogging through the same scenarios over and over again. Um, yeah, that may, that may be part of it as well. Like I, I do play two handed sometimes, but, uh, but not uh, nearly as often as I used to. And there is, there are interactions there with cards and with players that you don't get when you're, when you are playing strictly solo. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm still kind of, you know, in the same phase that Nathan's in where I only get to play like maybe two, two or three times a week. So, um, any chance that I get to play is great for me. So, um, it's an interesting question though. I, I wish I could kind of be of more assistance cause I like watching your videos obviously. So it'd be nice if you would play more, but, um, Oh yeah. no, we've, we've got, man, I've got videos lined up here, so there's going to be a ton of them coming out, <laughs> but it was just, it was, yeah, it was just a strange feeling, you know, for the first time, you know, when you, when you go at something hard for almost three years and then you sort of suddenly stop doing it for a couple weeks and, and I do try to take breaks from it. So I'm not constantly going at it because I think otherwise you would you would run the risk of getting burnt out and just saying, you know, to hell with this, I'm going to go do something else. I also wonder whether it may be just me, but I think we've sort of reached the the point in the card pool where it's gotten large enough that um, it's hard to sort of take it all in. I'm not sure if I'm, if that's no, the right you, way no, to say that it. Yeah, I, I, yeah definitely. I definitely understand that. Yeah like it's it's just sort of like you sort of want to play like there's there's so many cards to consider now like back when dunwich was released you know you had the core set and you had a couple of dunwich packs and so sitting down to build a deck was was relatively straightforward it was more of a you know throw all the cards in and then take a bunch you know take a half dozen out and you had a deck and now it's there's a lot more uh, a lot more to consider and I've I've noticed this in other in in other card games as well as well where it sort of just reaches a point where there's simply too many to consider and it sort of just becomes a that becomes a stumbling block to overcome. Do you and think I, don't, I honestly don't know how magic players can do it <laughs> with the yeah. amount of cards that they have to deal like two four like I think it's four sets a year four sets yes. of 250 cards a year like that's an incredible amount of well, of material to wait through from my personal experience with magic is as the card pool expands the the amount of viable options for your deck sort of decreases if that makes any sense as newer cards kind of make other older cards obsolete and a lot of magic's design philosophy is based on the limited format so a lot of the cards are essentially just reskins of older cards or are, you know, by and large not cards that you're going to want to build decks with outside of that limited format. So um, Magic is kind of unique in that where, where Arkham, you know, the cards are 
you know, you have less in your deck, obviously, but the cards by and large feel uh, intended, more intended to be balanced, rather than cards that feel like they fill space in a pack. And thematic, draft. too. Yeah, that too. Um, Lang, do you think um, that you feel pressured to keep up with it? Um, like... Yeah, that's that's part of the problem of the of the format. Like with this monthly format, it, I think you, like I, it, that's one of the things that I've had to struggle with as a content creator is is like, say even just this week, like the last couple weeks, right? Okay, so we had a new uh, Mythos pack drop, we had the FAQ announcement drop, we had the return to, uh, the. Path of Carcosa announcement drop and so there would be like if I was making videos on all of those things there'd be like there's three videos right there in addition to everything else that you know I might be interested in doing and so it's yeah I think you personally I've just had to draw a line and say okay there are certain things I simply can't yeah I, I can't do I can't do it all you know there's just me so it's so I'll I'll pick and choose my battles and and try to do the stuff I do well and then you know because I I know when I I've done my my in the know series which is very popular and and I ask people you know what would you like to see and of course I got a ton of requests for videos on on all manners of rule questions and it's just like man you know I could basically do nothing but make those videos yeah. You know, I could just make videos about for the In the No series and do nothing else. And people probably really like it, but it wouldn't provide anybody, you know, there are the, you know, there's so, there's a real diverse audience out there. You know, there are some people like the reviews, some people like the playthroughs, some people like the, the how to guides. So it's. Yeah, it's, I feel that, um, like you said, as a content creator, you, taking a break can set you back and if you're getting burnt out and you wanted to take a break from it it's like it's difficult because you know you're not really taking a break because you're anticipating oh when i come back i have all this other stuff now that i have to address or deal with or whatnot um it's it's definitely a balancing act for sure uh it's i, I don't know what um what you'd be able to do to um to kind of come out of it but i do yeah. know that for me i took the you know i took a vacation um a couple of weeks ago and uh it was nice and relaxing and i did play some markham on my vacation for one day um but i was teaching new players i taught my brother and his wife and my wife for the first time uh and teaching new players kind of invigorated me with it um it was exciting to see someone who's never experienced the game before so, you know, that could be an idea, maybe, you know, going into a, a local game store, setting up a meetup or something and, and just teaching the game and, and seeing people really get excited about it. Yeah. Yeah. I know like l last fall when I had, I had surgery and I was just like, I'm going to fall behind. There's nothing I can do. Yeah. This. <laughs> and that like people will see my site. I mean, I didn't do card reviews for, for depths of Yoth or shattered aeons and it just it just wasn't possible because you know those like doing the reviews is is fairly time consuming and so to try to do those and then get something ready for circle undone would be would be just too difficult so 
hear you on that front. I think that's um, part of why I wanted to start this podcast was just there's so much stuff that you could talk about. You know, it could take yeah. you know hours upon hours just editing all those videos alone. So, you know, I, maybe having this format where we can kind of openly discuss um, you know news and things that may be on our mind is a a neat way of helping prevent burnout where you can you can kind of just focus on what you want to focus on and then we can like cover various like related news of the game within the podcast and kind of seg or um you know kind of carp carp pen- blah, 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 blah. wow i can't talk uh you know carp <laughs> you know segment those things into different areas of your compartmentalize yes thank you my goodness i could not say that word which Ugh. word Nate? <laughs> <laughs> so i see quiz and comedy time are next on the list that must be that must be nathan hey dun, 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 dun. i really should come up with a jingle for that part he comes dancing across the stage yeah. with a top hat well, and a cane uh, after last episode's slaughter in the quiz i hope you right? guys brought your a game hey yeah. so that's why i took the time to go ahead and spoon out vase's eyes with a spork before we did this one <laughs> so he doesn't just run away with it all right oh so uh, is that is that vase in the uh return to carcosa Art is, is that you? Oh, wow. Fighting words already. Love it. <laughs> and the bitch was, as he was bleeding out from his ocular cavities, they were like having him hold still for the modeling. Oh, it was great. <laughs> All right. Uh, here we go. Once again, folks listening at home or in the, the car on the way to work, what have you, feel free to answer these. Um, I know I picked on Vase last time. Uh, I said you could write to him and get something free. So this time... I'm going to go, go, go with the uh, innkeeper of uh, the Twisted Tentacle Inn to be your go-to uh, prize pony. Uh, feel free to write to Vase uh, anytime you want. <laughs> All right, so here we go. Um, first question is, how many investigators are there that you can play? Now, this does not include duplicates, but it does include possible uh, promos from the various novellas. 28, Without. I believe. Okay, we got another 28. Anybody else going along with that? I'm going to uh, say 26. Well, that's pretty good. And nobody actually uh, went and counted. So my math is probably wrong, but I came up with 29. Ooh. That would be two from the novellas, and then six from two of the cycles, and five, five, five from three of the other cycles. So... That is now, what I came up in, with. Does that include the prologue investigators? It does not. Oh. They have not come question. back out of the mist. They come out of the mist when the man from Lang does not suffer burnout. That's how it works. You know this. Oh. All right. So once again, I wait, came wait, up wait, with hold 29. Hold Feel free to write quick, Nathan. Does that yeah. include the body of a Yithian? Okay. Oh. You know what, Nate? Go ahead and mute yourself. Mute yourself for the rest of this effing quick. All right, next question. It's, it's hard to guess the answers when the when the answer keeps changing. No, the answer was twenty nine. All right, next. <clears throat> Which ally has the subtext of looking out for number one? Leo. Leo DeLuca. Yeah, he beat me to it. I thought I thought Leo had other stuff under his name. He's the Louisiana Lion. Yeah. 
He was from Mississippi, oh. but Louisiana sounded better. Oh. Looking out for number Looking one. Looking out for number one. Uh, Tapperler. Okay, so you can just admit you don't know. Yeah. Because you know there's is, somebody. Is it Joey? Of course it's it Joey J- the Rat. Looking yeah. out for number one. Uh, hey, but I would like to point out, Nate has a point, and the man from Lang has a point. And he can go suck at vase has zero. That's pretty good. Zero. <clears throat> Sorry, vase. All right. Yeah. Number three. No prize this week. Yeah, you don't know that. You're giving the prizes. <laughs> number three. Uh, here's a quote from a card, and you're you're gonna try and figure out which card this is. It is meant for you. It always has been. Quick, everyone, look up the answer. Is it a player card or is it an encounter card? It's a card found in Arkham Horror, the LCG. Okay. That really narrows it down. You know what, Nate? You're not on mute. It is meant for you. It always has been. Think fairly ominous. Sophie. No, it's not Sophie. (laughs) Think Metallica song. Master of Puppets? Yes. It is the brand new weakness, Master of Puppets. No, it's not the Master. <laughs> the Bell Tolls. For whom the Bell Tolls? Oh, oh that's man. pretty cool, actually. That was a good hand, too. Dang yeah. It. That's all good. It's okay. We can't all win. We'll, we'll just say I get that point since I knew the answer. All right. We're mostly done with the quiz. For those of you listening at home, please pause. Go have a Mountain Dew or whatever you need to to refresh. All right. Number four, Golden Pocket Watch. We all know this card, right? Yep. Yeah. Soon to be on the ban list, right? Um, Golden Pocket Witch, or Golden Pocket Watch. What is inscribed inside the lid? (laughs) Oh, sign. Ooh, Nate. Quick victory. Correct. Now, I will give double points to anybody that can tell me approximately what time it is, and you can take that point right out of Nate's coffer. Two minutes to midnight. Oh, that I don't remember. I didn't even know it had time on it. I actually maybe had to uh, save the picture no, and I'm zoom say in on it. No, uh, there's going to be no hands on the watch. You would think I came up with the time one fifty-two after saving the picture, zooming in on it. Technically, I knew that, so Nate, I'm winning. All right, last one here. Uh, Cards with the criminal trait. There are nine of them. I repeat, nine cards have the criminal trait, but only one of them is a weakness. What is that card? Uh, Marvin Porsche. Boom. Uh, Vase from left field. So, yep, that wraps up the... uh, that wraps up the quiz. The only quote-unquote comedy I had was imagine on the in the alternate universe through the mirror, you have cultists that have a chaos bag that they're digging out of. And all the different symbols in the game all are different for them. For example, let's say they pull a, a squid or an elder thing. And it means that they have to wear itchy robes for a week, you know, or, or whatever the case may be. But but just take a minute and imagine 
cultists having their own chaos bag, what what kind of thing, what kind of effect would they have by pulling something negative out of it? They're the ones sacrificed. <laughs> they turn to each other. Ah, it's not one of the good guys. No, but I mean, I don't know. I think that that, uh, that concept is a humorous thought. I'm sure people that do comedy panels and that read Lovecraft could have a field day with that one. I mean, I guess one of them could be like, you read you read the black book. Um, another one could be, you know, um, you gain insight in into the mythos and then go insane <laughs> for a week, but then come back. Um, maybe one of one of one of them is a one of them is a minus five, and if you fail the skill test, you are lost in time and space. Oh, nice. you wanted to say lost in time and space? Um, yeah. yeah, definitely think about that because I think that that could have some funny captions to it. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. I just wanted to kind of bring it up. Well, since you mentioned that, actually, um, I'm gonna go ahead and use that as the means of our special giveaway. So if you have any funny cultist, um, cultist bag. Uh, memes or whatever uh, you have a chance to win these super awesome special um, pins that Miles from Orbits has made custom for me and I have a couple extra left so I'm going to be which one specifically do you have Uh, that is currently not liberty to say wow Um, mystery prize so um, I have elder signs and auto fail tokens um so what Miles has done for me, um, he gave me a set amount of them, and he put them in random packages, and I'm going to be giving them to my Grimsman. So one of them may or may not draw an auto-fail. So whichever are left, um, I will be giving away here. Um, so you can go ahead and submit your entries, either in the comments of the show notes, either on Reddit or on our website, or you can email any one of us with the subject header, uh, Great Old Ones Giveaway. And we'll probably, by the next episode, we'll decide a winner. Hey, just to um, try to keep the answers in a central location, should we put a main place that people could forward those, that more people could see? Like, I know we announce the episodes on Facebook. What about comments there? Would that be easier to kind of find uh yeah yeah absolutely um if you yeah now talking some shop coping live on the show here um yeah if we want to set that up we'll, <laughs> we'll set that up so when this goes live that'll all be situated but um but yeah and i'll we'll take a picture of these two and they're they're absolutely gorgeous if you've seen um the orbits tokens before you're they're amazing. Be, yeah, you're not going to be disappointed with these pins. They're they're absolutely astounding. The quality. Well, it's very is cool of you to give them away. Yeah. Um, Nathan, are you sure you don't want them to send the entries to uh, Carolyn Friend the Botanist at gmail dot com? I think that she's going to be a real up and comer if she doesn't get banned, base. <laughs> um, so yeah, let's focus on that. On a side note, uh, in about. I want to say a couple of days to a week. I'm going to be having my own contest just for funsies to highlight um, 
Andresia Gardner out of or Garnier out of Canada for the Momo Monster Co. Uh, I'm just going to show off several of her mats and do a contest to give away. Uh, I will pay for it, but we'll give them some free stuff from her just because I love supporting her. Well, that's awesome. And yeah, and again, we'll have all that stuff in the show notes. So if you want to enter those contests, all the details will be there. Um, yeah, Nate, did you officially get married already or that hasn't happened? That will be happening on the 19th of this month. In Germany, right, or something? Uh, uh, that will be our honeymoon. So we're oh, getting getting married <laughs> on a Sunday and then leaving on a Tuesday. No, they're going to Germany to get married and then they're going to honeymoon back at home. Yeah. <laughs> go, go back to Arkham for a week. Um, wow. Yeah, and in some other news, uh, Vase, you've opened up a Discord server, yes? Yeah, uh, It. I don't know how this works with Discord, <laughs> because we're old here. Uh, it's just called The Great Old Ones? Is that how they find it? I'm not quite uh, sure. Yeah, you put a link in, in the show notes, and people can... Um, they'll be able to access it from there so there it is and uh there there are a couple of channels that are um that are open to everybody to all listeners arkham is the general discussion or you can go to dunwich uh which is our spoiler friendly discussion channel and we do have a couple of additional channels for patreons of the show patrons of the show yeah which we'll we'll set up after i get back um don't worry the show's not going to go anywhere we're not going to you know, gate wall or paywall the show. Um, we're going to just add more cool stuff. And if you want to support us, then that's cool. And if you don't, well, then, you know, listening is enough. So we really appreciate everyone that listens to the podcast and everyone that watches our videos and everyone that, uh, um, you know, just supports us in general. And um, with that, does anyone have any closing thoughts before we wrap up tonight's episode or... Nothing. I can't think of anything. <laughs> we had like a slow um, month for Arkham, and then all of a sudden it was just like bam, 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 bam. It hits it once. Yeah. yeah. I actually, I kind of want to do something soon in conjunction with this podcast, kind of like the the League of Investigators did the online streaming playthrough, which is cool. I want to do something for everybody like myself who will never live stream. Uh, but still be involved in the community, kind of a challenge or or something. So I think let's let's start thinking about that and host it from the show's perspective, and we can talk about the outcome on the on this channel or on our individual feeds. But I would like to do some kind of a obtainable fun contest. Yeah, like a special event. That well, speaking cool. of special events, actually, uh, I'm going to pick your brain here live on the air. Um, Nathan, You, since you are a sales manager at a large game store and we're a podcast... Most of this is correct. <laughs> <laughs> and we're a podcast ded- dedicated to a game. You know, we could always perhaps maybe have an event at your store at some point. We could arrange yeah, like, a big that'd meetup. That'd be neat. Um, well, we have room for roughly 300 people in the store. So if we did want to section off, you know, 50 to 100 seats at a given time, it would take some work, but, I mean, we could always do something big. Yeah, and that would be neat, you know. I'd have, obviously, I'd have to, like, fly out to Portland. Obviously. 
And you would obviously have free room and board, I'm just saying. And obviously you'd have a lot of fun in Portland with us over here. Oh, absolutely. I don't don't know if that last one's as obvious space. Because you have to put up with us. I think it most definitely is. Yeah. I volunteer to drive up to Canada. I'll go get that guy. He's up there somewhere. (laughs) Well, it's still still snowing here, so that's... I'm not, dri- wow. I'm, not, I'm not driving anywhere right now. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you to everybody for participating today in the podcast, of course. And thank you to all the listeners out there that enjoy sitting back and fall asleep to my sweet, sweet sounds of mischief and, and what have you. We're going to have you do AMS, uh, AMSR, uh, you know, for all the listeners to eventually for the last hour. So nice. Yeah, go, go ahead and listen nice. to that. And uh... I'm just gonna set the mic in the bathroom. <laughs> Everybody just just relax your ears, you know. And I was actually listening. It was interesting. I listened Act to several 1A. different. Stop. You're locked up in your study. <laughs> somebody, somebody, kill his feed. No, I was listening to several podcasts, and I was listening to our podcast, and uh, it's and interesting because we have a very. Uh, well, you. Vase, you can't say that and not sound like a jerk. No, but it's interesting Well, we've got the blood feud that started, so... We have some fairly dynamic voices within our podcast. Like, uh, the man from Langs is very, like, lecture, like a professor type type talking, so it sounds more like, oh, i got to pay attention because there's going to be a quiz when he gets done talking. And Vase tends to be pretty jovial and full of emotion. Mine tends to be deep, gravelly, and nasally. So, yeah, could I not sub that out? And then, uh, Nate, you tend to have, I don't even know if it's an East Coast accent, but it tends to be a little lighter of tone, and you speak fairly quickly. So, I don't know. It was interesting listening to to that dynamic compared to some of the other ones. Because, as we all know, Frank and Peter at Drawn to the Flame are the same person. It's just a whole thing. I I just thought it was two guys in a trench coat. (laughs) Yeah. No, I thought Two guys in a trench coat. At, what is it, 22B? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. No, I, I think, mean like I think the, same, right. the same trench coat, right? Like they're, they're actually the same person. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, like, like six Swedish kids in a trench coat, you know, trying to be an adult. <laughs> right, right. I mean, it, which it is, is ironic, kind of ironic coming from someone that looks like they're 12, but, you know, it's fine. It's fine. Mm. That that being me, of course. So, <laughs> I like how you had to further explain that. Oh, and that person, de- that person be me. <laughs> <laughs> Self-deprecating humor is the best type of humor, I feel. No, the the best type of humor is the the jokes that you have to explain for like ten minutes. That too. Actually, the best type of humor is the type of humor that can potentially win you a prize. So. Ooh, I see how you brought it back around full nice. circle. Like if you're on a safari and you drop your cell phone, but you see there's like a hungry tiger. So you're like, I'm not getting out of this thing. But then when no one's looking, you get out of the thing to go get your cell phone and you just kind of come back around. That's exactly how it is. Right? No, I get it. <laughs> I get you. Speaking so. of which, why is the lion the king of the jungle? They never live in jungles. It's weird. It's a weird title for them to have. I don't know. It's very strange. Yeah, that, now we're just getting all over the place. <laughs> yeah, all right. <laughs> and on that note, we're going to cut the feed like 
10 minutes Before, ago. Yeah. Thanks Before, for yeah. thanks for listening.